0: Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen.
1: Hey there, everyone. Today, we're starting a three-part series, Encouragement for Moms.
2: We'll kick that off right back after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by bestselling author Katie Clemens. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold.
0: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth.
2: Thanks, John. You heard it, folks.
0: Take advantage of this opportunity and call now, 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
1: Okay, moms, I just want to confess to you here at the outset that I think motherhood is a pretty glorious thing, and I think that it is grossly underrated in its importance and its substantive power to change culture. I think we have long underrated the role of moms at home and to our own detriment and to the the downfall actually in our culture. We think that moms don't matter. And so moms want to feel like they're women in that role, want to feel like they're contributing in some way. And when culture says it's not in that way, very often women are tempted and they abandoned that role of motherhood. And I just want to tell you, I think motherhood really does matter. I'm um, a mother myself, obviously, if you've listened at all, you know, I've got seven kids. They're all grown up now. My oldest will be 33 this year, which is crazy because that makes me older than that. And <laughs> my youngest um, will be 20 later this year. So, Seven kids over almost 13 years, and we've got six grandkids already, and motherhood's amazing, and motherhood is transformative, and I learned that the hard way, I guess I would say. I really thought that motherhood was just going to be fun. I I guess I knew it was going to be hard, but I didn't realize how transformative it would be, and I got to tell you, I'm just so so grateful for all of the years that I got to spend with my kids at home and all of the things that they taught me. I, I endeavored to be patient with them, but I got to tell you, I'm grateful for their patience with me. And I am just literally so grateful for all that God taught me through my children, through their innocence, through their ignorance, through their their faith through what they could see and hear that I was missing. I just am just so abundantly grateful. And I think that motherhood is something that needs to be celebrated. So in the next three sessions today and two more, we're going to talk on the topic of mother more than the heart of her home. So I think a lot of times we've heard a discussion on moms being the heart of the home, the central figure. Maybe I think there was an author at one point, please forgive me for not remembering who wrote this, especially if you're the person who wrote this, but there was a Christian author that referred to the mom as the thermostat of her home. Um, Along the same ideas of the old adage, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, which by the way, I have never liked that saying. But that's not because I don't think that it is often true. It's just that I don't like that it's true, if that makes any sense. But I do believe that as mothers, we do have a very serious role that I believe far too often we do not take nearly as seriously as we ought to. And I do believe in many, many ways we do set the tone and the temperature for our households, which is a huge opportunity for us if we can catch a vision for that, if we can take advantage of that opportunity to live in pursuit of the things of God. I think that's really the key. So we are going to take the next three times to talk about this theme. What does it look like as mothers to live in such a way that we are living and honor to God, and we are loving God, and we are loving our families the best that we can in our role as mothers. I'm hoping that during this time it can encourage you if you're a mom. I hope that it can encourage you, perhaps even, to think of your own mom and think of the things that she did right. Far too often we we criticize. The generations on both sides of us right we want to criticize the younger generation because they're missing everything and we want to criticize the older generation because they were maybe too strict on everything i think that it would benefit all of us if we could think about the things that our parents did right our moms did right and soon it's going to be mother's day and we're going to be celebrating moms and if you're not a mom or perhaps you don't have children of your own i i really truly believe that we all have spiritual mothers, those that have gone ahead of us and have taught us. And I believe that often we are mothers to someone. We are helping to nurture someone in the faith or in their life as another young mother, perhaps. And so those roles are included in all of this. What does it look like to be a wholehearted mother? What does it look like to to be more than the heart of your home and to take your role as tone setter and temperature setter really, really seriously. So not surprisingly, I want to spend a little bit of our time as an introductory to look at um, the life of Mary. So early on, there's a phrase that is mentioned twice in Luke. It's in Luke uh, 2, 19, and then again in 51, which is very interesting to me. Because it's both in regard to Mary, and it's a significant phrase, and it's one of those that I think often we just read over and we don't really think much about, and yet I think it's so profound. It's a phrase that I think could really minister to us as moms, and I really want to pick it apart a little bit with you today. And I want to dare you to to really sit on it and think about it and think about what might God teach you through this very, in my opinion, very significant passage. So let's pick up in Luke 2, 19, a little bit before that. You're going to remember, because we've looked at this before. Okay, so we've studied this portion of scripture before. This is after... Jesus has been born in Bethlehem, the fulfillment of Old Testament scripture, one of many. So Jesus has been born, and starting in verse 8, we have the angels announcing to the shepherds in the fields. I love that story, and I'm not going to chase it right now because not the season, but we've discussed that before. So the angels come and announce to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Boy, you bet. Understatement of ever, right? I bring you good news of great joy. Yes obviously, indeed, the Christ has been born. And so then you go over, there's worship, glory to God in the highest in verse 14. And then the angels go away. And then the shepherds say to each other, let's go, let's go check this out. Let's go, let's go confirm what the angels just told us, right? And they don't go in doubt wondering if they're going to find. I really believe they go anticipating finding him. And there's, there's a sermon there, right? We need to go, we need to seek anticipating finding, right? The word that Jesus spoke was seek and you will find. And these shepherds set out to seek. And you know what they found? It said they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Wow. Just as the angels had said. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about the child. And it says, all who heard it wondered at these things, which were told them by the shepherds. So the shepherds go and see, and then they leave. And what do they do? They go and tell. I mean, this is the pattern we see over and over in scripture. When people have contact with the holy, mighty God and or in the New Testament with Christ, his son, when they encounter God, father, son, or Holy Spirit, they tell, they tell, they tell. That's the pattern we have in Scripture, and that's what we're called to do is follow this same pattern. So we see the shepherds go out, and what do they tell? They say, we have seen him. He has been born, and we saw him with our own eyes. And it says, all who heard it wondered at these things. Hmm. Might that be so? Hmm. Might the 400 years of silence come to an end? Huh. Maybe. Hmm. But it says in verse 19, It says, but the beginning of verse 19 starts with that pivotal conjunction, but, but it says, Mary treasured all of these things, pondering them in her heart. I love that verse. I absolutely love that verse. So there's all of this wondering, there's uh, you've got the angels, you've got the shepherds racing to see, right? You've got all these people talking about what's going on in the manger. Who is that? Right. And what our glimpse into Mary's perspective on this is she's just, she's just storing it all up. She's just paying attention. She's just taking it all in. Because Mary remembers how this all started. Mary remembers when the angel came to her, right? So if you go back to Luke chapter 1 and you pick up, let's see, over in, you can pick it up in 126 right? And it says now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. Now hang tight. This isn't the Christmas season. This isn't my Christmas series, a podcast. We're really focusing in on Mary and her heart. So just hang tight with me, right? And coming in, he said to her, greetings favored one. So here at the outset, Mary is greeted as someone favored, And we have the announcement of what's going to happen to her if you read verses 31 through 33, right? All of these promises, all of these specifics about what is exactly going to happen. You will remember that Mary has a question, and frankly, it's a really good question. How's this going to happen, right? I'm a virgin. I'm hearing you. I understand what you're saying, but I'm a virgin. How can this happen? And the angel explains it. It was a reasonable question. She asked it humbly, right? And the angel answers the question. And then what is Mary's beautiful response? May it be unto me according to your word. In other words, she says, I submit, I surrender according to what you've just said to me. May it happen just as you have said it, just as you've explained it to me. Okay, so our passage here. When the shepherds are coming and praising him, right? I mean, it's been nine months. Surely the conception happened. She carried the Christ child. She went and met with Elizabeth, right? I mean, y'all want you to hear all of these things. Mary remembers the angel. Mary remembers the trip to go and see Elizabeth. Mary remembers john the baptist leaping in elizabeth's womb right mary goes home and all the controversy because she's found to be with child and what in the world right yeah so this is going on you need to go back and read this over all of these things that it says mary pondered these things in her heart we'll be
2: right back is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by bestselling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day, with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold.
1: So one of the things I want to call to your attention is it doesn't say, right? It doesn't say that Mary posted all these things. And you're going to say to me, well, Rachel, it, uh, duh, it wasn't, she couldn't, right? We didn't have social media then. Well, hallelujah. She didn't post all these things. Regardless of whether or not she could have, I think it's notable that Scripture says that Mary pondered all of these things. Mom, I want to suggest to you that God has given you a myriad of moments with your children and in your time as mother that he's given you as treasures to store in your heart and to simply ponder, to think about, to consider, to contemplate, to muse over those wonderful moments, the time the test came back positive, right? Maybe gotcha day if you've adopted, right? All of those little moments, the day you heard the baby, you felt the baby move, the, the, the day you bought the crib, right? The day you named the baby, the day you told the family, the gender reveal, right? All of those things, the first step, the first tooth, the first time they ran a fever, All of these different things, all of these moments, perhaps you've had the blessing of your child confessing Christ and embracing him as their Lord and Savior. Perhaps you remember the first hymn they sang or the first time that they memorized a passage of scripture or the first time they wrote their name or all of these things. I want you to see Mary is our example of just collecting all these things, all these little moments all these treasures, all these bits and pieces, Mary remembers. Mary remembers the angel coming, and she remembers what the angel promised, and she remembered the gift of God in going to visit Elizabeth and the confirmation, the confirmation that she got just being with Elizabeth and the consolation. And the celebration that she and Elizabeth must have done together, right? Especially she was fortified then to go home and to walk right into all of this criticism and all of this condemnation, right? And then the angel appears to Joseph, right? And then if that weren't enough, the confirmation through Joseph, and Joseph is going to take him as her wife, but he's not going to know her. That's part of the prophecy. She was to be a virgin, not just to conceive, but also to deliver the Christ child, And then God in his goodness, his absolute goodness, gives them an excuse to leave town. If anybody has wanted to get out of Dodge, it had to be Mary and Joseph. I mean, they're just sitting under all of these sideways glances of all of the judgment and all of the rumor mill, right? And God provides a way for them to have to leave. And they go. And she... they. And they go and they arrive in Bethlehem, right? And I don't know what Mary was expecting. I don't know what you were expecting. I don't know what you were expecting the first time you gave birth. Or again, if on gotcha day you go to the hospital or maybe you flew across the ocean or however that transpired, right? And we all have these things in our mind, these perfect images, and we've got it all played out, and it rarely goes that way, right? Well, that you're in good company. That's what happened to Mary. I'm pretty confident she didn't think it was going to play out the way that it did, and yet it did. There's no room, or seriously, I'm care what in the world, right? And she ends up delivering alone with Joseph in a stable, my goodness. And there's the star. And there he is, the promised child. And then lo and behold, the shepherds come. And then angel had appeared to the shepherds. And do you see the hand of God? Do you see God's just affirmation and confirmation and consolation and encouragement? I mean, it's like over and over and over in Mary's story and in Joseph's story, God is like supporting it. It's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, in short order in this narrative, they're going to have to get out of town because Herod's on a tirade, and in his paranoia, he's going to kill all the baby boys because he's threatened by an infant. Right? And so you read the story, and you're like, okay, God, could it not have been just maybe a little easier and less harrowing for Mary and Joseph? And yet that story was the will of God. You and I so often want things to be easier. I do. I confess totally and completely. I will state, I will state to you unequivocally today that I have on more than one occasion to my chagrin whined and complained and desired and longed for things to be easier. I have done that. I have thought, oh, is it not enough, God, that I do X, Y, and Z? I'm just being honest with you today, right? And yet I read the narrative of Mary and I'm like, oh my goodness, if I could argue for it to be easier for anybody, I would argue it for Mary. And yet God was with her. Even when it got hard, Mary had already treasured these things in her heart. She had to have known because of all of these things that she had treasured, all of these moments, all of these confirmations that he really was who she believed him to be, that the angel really did appear to her and to Joseph, that the shepherds really did come. Oh, and eventually the magi came. And okay, yes, all right, it's hard, but, right? I just want to say to you, Mom, God's in the business of doing that for you and me too. Sometimes in the midst of being a mom, being a mom at home, being a mom at work, either way you do it, right? It's hard. And sometimes it doesn't go the way we want it to go or planned it to go. I mean, we worked really hard on our plan. Can we just confess? We worked really hard on our plan. We really thought that we had it signed, sealed, and delivered, right? And it just it just didn't go that way, right? I've had that day. I've had more than one of those days. I've had years that was just a string of those days, And yet, and yet, at the end of our rope, if we dare to have taken advantage of the moments that he has extended to us, if we have dared to treasure those things in our hearts and our minds, like we see Mary doing here, we can hold on. I want to suggest to you today, when things got really hard for Mary... She had a treasure trove to go back to and pull out and remind her. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, Yes. Right. He is. He is. And I am. And Joseph. Okay. Yes. Right. Because now I want to show you the second time. The second time that this is said about Mary. Same chapter in Luke, interestingly enough. But it's also notable that Luke chapter 2 has 52 verses. So that's a thing. But if we go over into starting in verse 41 of chapter 2 of Luke, this we fast-forwarded now in the narrative, right? We fast-forwarded all the way to Jesus' 12. And at the annual feast, the Feast of Passover, interestingly enough, I do not have time to chase that, but don't miss that, at the Feast of Passover, because that's the feast that ultimately Jesus is going to fulfill. I couldn't stand it at the feast of Passover, which was considered a pilgrimage feast, which meant that all Jews were supposed to make a trip to Jerusalem. Jesus goes with his family up to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And they're there and they do the festival and they do the feast and they do all the things, right? And in this time in biblical time, the way this would happen is people would go up to Jerusalem in caravans, like groups, like family groups or friend groups. They would all go up together, right? And so they have gone up to this, and it's time for them to go back home. And it says in verse 43, but boy, Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents were unaware. I find it very interesting that it made it into holy writ so it says jesus stayed behind but his parents were unaware of it but suppose that he was with them in the caravan i mean you gotta admit that was a really good supposition for them because this was jesus so i'm pretty confident that he never disobeyed or disrespected his parents so i'm pretty sure that it was a pretty safe bet on their part to think that jesus who was always obeying was in the caravan because he was supposed to be, right? Hold on to that. Hold on just a second. So it says that um, they went about a day's journey. This is still in 44, and they began to look for him. So they're assuming that he's with everybody. They go about a day down the road, and they start looking for him, thinking, you know, we probably need to find him, and they can't find him. He's not among the relatives. He's not anywhere. So they return to Jerusalem. Okay, so get this. Just do the math with me. I'm not a math major, but I think we can do this. They went a day's journey out of Jerusalem. They don't find him. They go back. Okay, that's two days, right? Let's stay, stay with me then. says in verse 46, then after three days, that's five days, they do not know where Jesus is. Look, I've been at the supermarket or even at a store and lost my child for maybe all of five or 10 seconds. Like they walk around a carousel of clothing or cards or cereal, right? And that's enough to just scare me to death, right? This is five days. Joseph and Mary do not know where Jesus is. I don't want to make fun, but you got to wonder. I mean, that had to be terrifying that you've lost the Christ child. They don't know where he is, right? But it says, finally, after three days, they found him in the temple. So, huh, you do have to ask why they didn't look there first. But they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding, And his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. His parents were like, whoa. Now, you know, what happened in the interim? Because I'm just going to suggest to you, sometimes we do this. We get who Jesus is. And then there's this sort of interim period. And we start to take him for granted. Right. We sort of know that he's there. We sort of take our relationship for granted. And then we get into a situation in life and we panic and we can't find him. Right. I'm just telling you, we do this. We do this, too. We do this. And then we get back to him and we're astonished and we're amazed. But listen to what Mary says to him. I mean, this is whoo. There's a couple of times in scripture where a woman specifically says something to Jesus that just sort of knocks your socks off. And this is one of those times his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. I'm going to suggest to you, we do that too. We find ourselves in a position in our lives at a crossroads in a difficult circumstance, in the middle of chaos and confusion, at a place we wouldn't choose and can't change, and we look at Jesus and we say, why have you treated us this way? What is going on and why is it happening? Listen to Jesus' response. Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I would be in my father's house? Look, you and I have got to remember where to find him. He is in a reliable place. He's not the one that moves. It's us. Jesus was exactly where it would make sense for him to be. Right? And then it says, but they did not understand the statement that he had made to them. And he went down with them, though. Listen to this. Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. See, it's like maybe... I don't know. It doesn't say this in this interim time. Maybe Mary got comfortable. Maybe Mary forgot. I don't know. I don't know. I know I do that. I know I get in positions with my relationship with God and I started taking comfortable taking for granted that he's just right there. He's taking care of it. He's got it and I can fall into neglect, but it's as if this situation with Jesus, losing him, not knowing where he was for five days. Mary's like, oh, right. Jesus comes back with them, and it's like she restarts her treasure button. Moms, I don't know where you are, but I want to encourage you today to restart your treasure button, to really dare to store up in your heart treasures, moments notes from your kids, evidence that you see your God working in the hearts of your children. Lean into those conversations. Dare to listen to their questions. Look in their eyes. Put the phone down. Don't post everything. Ponder it. Dare to think about it and contemplate it. Don't try to capture it on pictures. Dare to step away from your phone. It still happens if you don't capture it on your phone. And being present with your kids is so powerful. I really believe, Mom, that what we need more of is more pondering and less posting. I think that's what builds into the lives of our kids. That's how we fortify our hearts for hard days and hard times and hard intersections. Look, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Things are rough out there. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I've got all of mine launched, and it is still a battle for the hearts and the minds and the souls of my children, because the enemy is still trying to pick them off. And I am so grateful for the treasure trove that I have in my heart of moments pondered moments of encouragement when God is telling me over and over and over, Rachel, I've got him. And I love him more than you do. And I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. Mom, God is going to show you all of these different times when he came in and did something that only he could do. You couldn't have done that. You couldn't have done that. And he wants you to know what he wanted Mary to know, what he wanted Mary to remember, that Jesus is the son of God. And what God wants you to remember is that same Jesus died for your kids, and he died for you, mom. And he wants you to have confidence in that death, burial, and resurrection. Mom, mom, treasure these moments in your heart. Treasure them set your mind on things above, focus your heart, be present with your kids. Put the phone down. We'll have two more episodes in this series. We're going to look at the words that we speak and how we listen. We're going to look at the things that we dare to focus our eyes on and what we need to be doing with our hands, mom's. God has positioned us in our homes to change the world one family at a time. I'll talk to you next time.
0: Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. this this is my skyship dreamer my cargo is stories and our destination dreams with abide sleep stories for kids you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God to find these kids bedtime stories go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for abide stories for kids you can also download the abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.